We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. I had such a great time speaking with Debbie Pace, who left the world of journalism after 30 years, yes, 30 years, to focus full-time on helping women find their inner peace and show up truly as themselves. During this episode, Debbie shares her journey of how she worked to get to the place of joy as her inner child and how she helps her clients achieve this fulfillment and peace as well. She also shares her story of divorcing her husband and then remarrying him once she discovered the inner blockages which had been holding her back. Debbie also spoke about respecting your boundaries and letting go of who and what doesn't serve you. I am so excited for you to hear her story and gain tangible ideas and value of how to work towards fulfillment and show up freely as yourself. Oh my God, little Debbie. I always call her little Debbie. It's funny that you're asking me this because little Debbie was, um, I channel her all the time. I really do. I tap into little Debbie, but she was this beautiful ray of sunshine and she was so happy and light and bouncy and full of joy and really saw the joy in everyone. I mean, no matter where I went as a child, I always wanted people to know how special they were. I wanted people to see the beauty that I could see in them, the light that I could see in them. And so if someone would come into my space and they weren't happy, I would always try to cheer them up. I would always try and make them smile, usually successfully. Um, but that was really, from a very early age, that seemed to be my purpose. But it took me most of my adult life to figure that out. That is so interesting. And I'm not surprised at all because right when I met you, I said there, you have this sparkle, this joy that that radiates from you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's such a compliment. Sure. But I'm sure you know that because you're so, you're so developed and you've worked on yourself all these years. So you're self-aware, you, you know how you seem to people, I'm sure. I, you know, it's so funny that you say that because I think that that is, uh, people who are, um, I say high achievers, but people who really are driven, really driven people don't stop and see themselves. I don't, I I can be very tuned in with what I'm feeling and the message that needs them out. But I honestly would say that one of my weak points in my life has been that I don't necessarily see the me that other people see. And I do believe that that is something that is so common in people who are real like goal getter, goal getters, goal setters, you know, people who always have their eye on uh, people with purpose work and passion work. You know, there's always more people we can help. There's always a bigger and greater message that we can be speaking. And so sometimes we forget who, who we are, like we, the person, like who's Debbie, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, that, that definitely happens a lot. Um, I think that we have to consciously try to look, tune in and look at ourselves in order to figure out the way, you know, um, figure that out. But yeah, for sure. For sure. I wanted to actually add on to that because just stopping there makes it sound like, oh my God, it's like such a bad thing. But I think the thing is in, in my life, several years ago, I realized that I had lost my voice over time. And I think that because I was so focused on that next goal, that next prize, I really did not only forget who I was, who little Debbie was, that person that saw and felt so much joy in life, but I also forgot to live my life each day as me. So I was living for other people. I was living for the stories of who I thought I was, and I really forgot why I was here. And so one of the most powerful things for for me and my journey has been to really refine that person to get back to that place of joy. And so so I talk about I talk about a lot of the darkness in that 
but I also want the community and the listeners to understand that it doesn't have to be permanent. So if anyone listening is in that place or feeling like, yeah, I, I feel like, what am I doing this for? Who am I even and, and why? I want everyone to understand that there's always a way to get back to that place of joy, that, that little child inside of you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So speaking of like the little child inside of you, when do you think you started losing that? What is it? That joy, that happiness? When do you think that started? So I think that, um, I was, I was in a home that, um, my, my home was violent. I, I lived with a father who had a, a violent side to him. And so I can remember being coming into the apartment that we lived in and I might've been three or four years old. And I remember seeing things that a child shouldn't see. And all of the healing the inner child work that I've done, it's always gone back to that moment. And so as you're asking me that, I'm thinking it really had to be that moment for me where, where everything shifted, where my beliefs about life and my perceptions of my role in life and, and so many things. And I, and I think that that has been the reason why when people come to me, I work with a lot of people with childhood trauma, because when you can tap back into that place and remember it without getting stuck there, without getting lost in that emotion, you can pull another person out of it. And so there are so many people who are reliving patterns and thoughts and beliefs from that time in their life. And they don't even realize it, you know, cause we're adults and we're, we put our big girl panties on and we're going in life and we're doing great things. Right. But there's still this piece of us where we're like, why am I still doing this? Or why can't I get this? And so the story and the, the answer to that story usually lies in going back to do that healing so that we can make decisions from a healed adult place and not a place of a traumatized child. Absolutely. Did that even answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Yes, totally, totally. And I liked what you added on because you know, you said a lot of us, but I think it's most people have that. Most people start losing their inner child um, or parts of themselves because of situations that have happened to them as as a child, really. And and that creates limiting beliefs and blockages that they sometimes that often they don't even realize are there. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to have a traumatic childhood with violence or right. un unmentionable or unthinkable things to be conditioned as we all are in our society, because our parents or, or, you know, people who were in parental roles or any kind of a role model role for us really wanted to help us. And so as I, as I talk to people, I always remind them that, you know, all actions come from a place of love. So uh, when I share my story, I have this fear program. I, I pe help people bust through fear. And I always share the story about my dad, who is an, um, was an amazing dad, my, my stepfather. When I, when I talk about my dad, I'm talking about the man who raised me from the time I was five, because my real father passed away when I was five. So fortunately, the violent time of my life was was short-lived to the first five years. And I had a completely different role model from five years on. But, you know, he was also living his own programming and his own beliefs of, you know, wanting to not have his children get hurt. And so a lot of parents will try to keep people from having too high of an expectation so they don't get hurt. And so I always wanted to be a singer and I share this story often, but my dad was like, oh, you'll never make it as a singer. And so I believed that. And I took that story in and it limited me for so many years. And, and it was probably in like 2019 was when I finally busted through my own story in, in that one particular funnel, which was, I tried out for the voice. And so really? it was like, you know what? And yeah, I did. That's but so it, cool. And it wasn't that I, well, thank you. And it wasn't, it was interesting because for me, it wasn't about, it was kind of like the bucket list. It wasn't about really wanting to be on the voice because I have kids and I have great businesses and stuff. And it's like, I really didn't want to be on the voice. I just wanted to bust through that limitation that had been set for me so early on. And I wanted to go into that space. And there were so many lessons that I learned just by doing it. And so it, you know, just begs the question, like how much are we limiting ourselves? How many lessons aren't we learning? because we're believing the fears or we're believing the stories that were told to us that really aren't ours. Absolutely, it's so true. And I, I love it though, that these days it's starting to become more of a thing 
and people are starting to realize that the situations and beliefs that have been told to us, you know, the messages can be potentially limiting us. So I love it that it's coming out now in business schools in, well, not really schools actually, but it's more like like courses and programs. They're starting to talk about it and it's really helping. I mean, I know for myself, I've had to work through some, some of those limiting beliefs. And after, after I worked through them, I've seen the huge difference in my business and my personal life. Well, and I think, you know, the misconception is that anyone online has all their stuff together because no, no one does. You know, we all, we all, we have, we can have structure in place and we can have organization and we can have a team and we can have all the things that everybody wants when they first start out in business. But, and I made a post about this recently, which was about like money is not going to take away the things that you're that, that show up for you every day. Money's not going to take away the story of you not having money, because I can assure you that no matter how much money you make, you're always going to feel like it's not enough. And there's more to be made in all these things, which is great as a goal. But when it becomes a story of who you're not, or a story of lack or scarcity, that's really where we start limiting ourselves. And so, you know, so it's, it's really a matter of be the person and you, you, I'm sure you know this too, like you've been through this stuff, but it's like, be the person now that has all those things because you're, you're, you're going to be the same person at the next level that you are now, if you don't start working through some of those. And if you, and if you don't work them out before you get to that place, or you have that thing, it's still going to show up. And a lot of times what happens is you get it and then you lose it because you're like, Oh my God, what happened? You're still playing that. You're still playing that, that old tape, that old story of, I don't have, I can't have, and then you believe it and then you let it go. Right. Right. Totally. Yes. So important. So, okay, let's go back to when you started your career and you started working through those limiting beliefs. So tell me about that. Well, it's interesting that you say career. So I have a 30 year broadcasting and journalism career, but my real purpose work didn't start. Um, I, so I became a coach in 2011, but I really didn't start coaching until about 2016 because I didn't believe I was a coach. I told myself I wasn't a coach, even though I was certified, even though I was a communications expert and could really marry the two, I didn't see that. So what's really interesting is that I always had belief that I could get any kind of job in broadcasting or journalism. And I did, I was in TV, I was radio, radio anchor, all these things. And my husband used to have a joke. Oh, if there's a recession, no problem. Devil, go get a new job. Like that's just the way it was. Cause I had this really strong belief, but when I came into coaching, I didn't have that belief because I saw so many people who, you know, and social media was really great at that time. And everybody was showing up and people were doing amazing things. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And, the, and, you know, and when I started, I really started teaching people how to overcome fear and I did it through visibility. So I was able to marry that a little bit, but, but me personally, I didn't have that belief. And so I, I really struggled. I limped along for the first couple of years in my business online. And, and one of the things that I try to do now is really help people not do that. And so I, I wrote a book, it's called The Journal to Freedom, which I wrote in 2016 when I started and I didn't market it because it wasn't backed by a belief. Like this was a soul work. And I mean, people who read it are like, are you kidding me? Like, how did I not know about this book? But I didn't market it because I didn't have that belief. And what's so funny is my seven step freedom accelerator process that I run people through the first step in that is faith. And that was the one thing that I was missing was the faith in myself. But it's so funny how the universe works through us. Sometimes even when we are the obstacle, the, the message is so powerful that it needs to come through. And so, so all of these pieces started in 2016, but it took me a couple of years to really be the person to show up as the person and work through the things. And so my own personal coaching journey has been one of example, really. And so everything that I do, I take that, that lesson. And then I use that as a teachable moment with my own community. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's so great because it's your own personal experience. Like you actually went through it. You know what I mean? So that's just incredible. And I think that, yeah. And there's plenty of coaches who, who don't necessarily hold the philosophy of, 
you have to go through it to be able to take someone else through it. But because of the work I do, because I do work with people with really deep beliefs, really deep trauma, some really deep, dark places, and I can stand in that place with them and I can hold that space for them as they're, you know, cause it's when you, when you think about people who are in trauma, we go back to the behaviors at the point of trauma. So when you're a three, four, five-year-old child who is right now in this moment, trying to work through a very adult situation in your mind and in your physiology, your responses come from back when it happened. So you're dealing sometimes with these, these like toddler-esque or these, you know, um, preschool type of emotions coming out in a, in a very mature adult and you have to be able to hold that space for them. And so that's really what I do. And I think that when people talk about what they do, that is the biggest thing that I do for people because we, we in the coaching world, so many people have coaching tools, but that is one of the biggest things is really to be able to have someone hold space for you who has been that child lashing out at whatever, lashing out at the world, at themselves, at whatever but really just being able to express it and being held in that space. And I think that there's so much there that can be healing so fast. And that's why like, I, I just really love that the transformations that people have with me are so fast because they're, they don't have to pretend that they don't feel what they feel or they're not thinking what they're thinking because we've got so many people who are like, oh, I can't really share that because that's not professional. And you know, I'm not here for you to be professional. I'm here for you to heal. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, that's really beautiful because you're giving someone, you're holding the space. And that's also, I, I believe, you know, a lot of, a lot of traumas and a lot of um, frustrations in life and things that get built up and negativity is really because someone did not hold space for us. Yeah. And it's also a big reason, like you and I, when we were talking about doing this podcast, it's also a big reason why relationships fail as well, because we have these expectations when we come into a relationship and you know it's based on conditioning a lot of the things that we do as humans is based on conditioning and we're conditioned to you know snow white wait no what's the cinderella like snow white no not that one <laughs> cinderella you know yeah. and it's like okay so seven dwarfs no not that one yeah so it's you know cinderella and it's it's you know beauty and the beast and it's always these romantic love stories that end so well and i mean even 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 Snow White, you know, the, the prince kissed her and woke her up from the, you know, but that's not real life. It, it just, it isn't real life. And especially when you're young and you're, you're learning relationships, they're, they're imperfect because we are beautifully imperfect beings. And so we do things and we say things. And I think that when you're in a relationship and, and if there is any trauma in your past that you haven't worked through, you show up in a relationship and, and God forbid, if there's also a partner who has the same thing, you're going, you're going together in the relationship as individuals and there isn't a coupling, there isn't a, a holding space so that the other person can be who they need to be in that moment and an acceptance and a love, love and an understanding of, of who they are or what they might be going through, you know, because we, so many people in our society are conditioned to, you know, get their needs met when you're, when you have childhood trauma, you're meeting your needs. It's a fight for survival. And even when you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, and you're professionally successful, you are still, your responses to things so many times is still fight, flight, or freeze. You're still in survival mode, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much success you have. And that's why I say like on my podcast, the show up show, I say how you do one thing is how you do everything because where it shows up may not be necessary necessarily in your relationship. It may not necessarily be in your business, but it's in who you show up as in those places and it does affect your outcome. But so really not having a, a partner who can hold that space for you is an issue for someone who does have trauma issues or who, who still does have some areas that are unresolved from their childhood or from their past that are causing them some sort of pain. Wow. Yeah. And how does this show up in friendships? Um, well, the same way it shows up in, in any relationship, really. So you come to the relationship with an expectation, um, whether it's marriage or whether it's friendship and the relationship starts under the principles of this is who I am for you. And this is who you are for me. And so whether it's friends or whether it's, you know, so I'll just say friends. So in a friendship, I show up as this person and this is your expectation of this is who I am. And then you show up as this person and this is my expectation of who you are. Well, at any point in time, when we're no longer 
when life is no longer absolutely perfect in a moment where maybe we met and everything, we hit everything off great. And I'm having a day where I just can't get out of my own way. And you may not be the person who showed up in the relationship for me as the person who's the solver, the nurturer, the, you know, who's understanding you, you may be used to maybe I normally help you meet your needs. Maybe you have been the one in the relationship who, who, who oftentimes has been the one who determines what we do, determines where we go. And all of a sudden I have a need and I'm taking from the relationship instead of putting into it, there's now a void for the person who was used to being fed. And so you create, you create this, this divide. And over time, it creates all these emotions like um, animosity or um, discontentment. And so it's, it's when your expectations aren't met, that is where the trouble starts. Very interesting. And I think also there's something to be said about, well, you mentioned the conditioning aspect, which creates different expectations or things that we think are quote unquote normal. And everybody has their normal. And then in relationships, friendships and, you know, romantic relationships, this could potentially be challenging because we were all conditioned based on our childhood. Yeah. So it's interesting because my husband had a completely, completely, you know, both parents were there. There was no violence in the home. And so it wasn't, it wasn't fight, flight or survive for him. And so when early in our relationship when we would have situations arise and I would react like, like someone who was truly in battle, in battle, like fighting for their life over something that to him seems so trivial, you know, there was, it created this really big divide for us. And so, um, so we, we, we actually ended up after about eight years or so, we ended up splitting up and we got, we actually officially got divorced and then got back together a year later because there was still more work to be done. And as, as I worked on myself and as I began to see that I was the variable in a lot of the things in my life that weren't working and, and really were, I mean, it was beyond not working. They were, they were straight up failing, right? They're all lessons, of course. But at the time, to me, I was just failing at everything. I mean, I was really literally failing miserably at being a human. And so, and so it was like, I, I had to get to this place in my own life where I really had hit bottom. And I looked and I said, Debbie, you are the common variable. And so the change needs to be you. And when I really turned that mirror around on myself and decided to do some really deep work, I went back to him and I said, I know I didn't show up in the relationship as to who I really am. And I know that this is something that was really meant for us. And I, I know our family belongs together. And it took a lot of work and it took a lot of really strong, unconditional love, which was something that I, I hadn't known. I didn't know what unconditional love was in my life. And so throughout this process, I had to really learn that. And I had to learn it for myself first. That I think is probably the most powerful lesson for anyone is that when you're in a relationship and whether it's friends or whether it's um you know a significant other whatever whether it's a family member because it let me tell you i've definitely learned that lesson too but unconditional love for yourself has to come first because if you're not loving you and, and let's just if you don't like who you are in the mirror you're not going to successfully have long-term consistent relationships with anyone it has to start with you wow this is so valuable. And also, I just want to say kudos to you for going back to your, as time I got to as your ex-husband and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and so honest and real and, and try, you know, wanting to try again. It's amazing. Thank you. I, it, it, thank you. I mean, it was, it's so funny because my why was so strong. I had my kids at the time that we got back together were like seven and nine, I believe seven and nine or so. And it was so important to me. And, and that's why when all the coaching, all the coaching world will tell you, know your why. And that is so, so important because when we first started talking, my husband couldn't even look at me straight in the eye. He would look at me sideways, like out of the corner of his eye when we were having conversations. And, and you know, because I was the one who left because the marriage was so, I was so, I was suffocating really in the marriage. And, and quite honestly, I was suffocating myself, but, but it was within the confines of that relationship and who I was showing up as in that relationship and, and how I had created it. You know, I had created my life that way and I just couldn't breathe within it. And so I was the one who left. And so coming back and, and wanting to repair it, that was really difficult for him. Um, and so 
learning that unconditional love was really huge, but having that strong why of those kids really got me through those moments where, where I felt like I was carrying the a hundred percent of the weight of getting back together. And, um, you know, and also, you know, think about, I had, I had my in-laws who I absolutely adore now, you know, um, and I always loved them, but talk about, I think that's the biggest thing that I had fears in my own head is how were they going to treat me and what kind of turmoil was I bringing my husband back or, you know, not, not my husband at the time, but you know, we're remarried. We remarried, we've been remarried for several years now, like six years or so, but it was really like, what am I bringing him back into? And do I really want to take him through that again? Because our relationship was tough for many years before we got divorced. And it was like, do I really want like, maybe I should just let him go, let, release him and let him be happy and, and just let him go because I didn't want him to have to go through more difficult situations with his family. And, you know, it was just a lot, but in the end, that really strong why got us through and I wouldn't change a thing because it really was worth it. And, you know, it was a battle that had lots of ups and downs. It wasn't a straight up or a straight down or whatever, but it was, it definitely took moments of remembering that why and i think once once we had reconciled when there were difficult moments you now have this memory of it wasn't what i wanted the first time so i already know that a breakup is not the option so how can we be stronger how can i show up better how can i show up stronger with unconditional love in this moment and move and move through this wow and you know what's also incredible you mentioned how you were, you felt suffocated, but you realized that you were suffocating yourself. And that's a really important distinction because I think a lot of people, when they're in unhealthy marriages, let's say, right, sometimes it's the other person who's suffocating them. But you realize that you discovered that it was you, it, like you were the one who had to work through things, whatever it was. And that's, that's really impressive. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, it's really real also that sometimes the partner can be the one, you know, I say suffocating, right. but sometimes the partner can be the one dictating a lot of things in the relationship. And for a person who's a people pleaser, um, that can be very, very difficult or someone who has trauma in their background. Who's like, okay, I just want to keep the peace. I don't, I don't like, I don't like tension. I don't like fighting. I don't like yelling, whatever. And they'll do anything to keep that from happening. So, so it, it doesn't really matter where it comes from. The most important thing in all of this really is to remember who you're showing up as within it. Like what, what is your role in it and what are you allowing and what are you accepting for your life? And so, so, so through this whole thing, I realized all of the things and all of the boundaries that I needed to set for myself in the marriage and really a clear communication with him of, of knowing who I show up as, because I, I mean, I still do those same things to myself. I'll still put all these rules and expectations and all these things, right? Cause we talked about like the really, the high achiever syndrome, the, the go-getter syndrome where you constantly have to be moving, doing, taking action, and then seeing the results of that to consider it a success or <laughs> else you need to do something else. And so, so not allowing myself that time to breathe um, was very early in the relationship to to bring it back to my coaching when I first started in my coaching business, that was an area that really caused me the most struggle was because when the results didn't come right away, I would go right back into this place of suffering, of feeling like, wow, okay, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm not one of the chosen ones, you know, all the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, but having a very clear idea of who I, who I was and how I, how I tended to show up. And I'm a huge proponent of human design and understanding your, your own human design. Um, and if, you know, there's people, if you haven't heard of it, you just Google human design and you'll get all the answers you ever wanted to know, or maybe didn't about yourself. But so for me, <laughs> There were things going on in my business that I didn't understand why it was so easy for other people, but it wasn't easy for me. And so my design is to respond. And so it, so I wouldn't necessarily come up with all these great ways to do things in my own business, but if someone would bring something to me, I could respond to it and go, yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that feels good. No, that doesn't. No, that doesn't. I don't think that that doesn't feel good for me. You know, that kind of thing. So really knowing who you are showing up as in your life and in your business, in your relationship is so important. And then in the relationship itself, when you can communicate to your partner or, or whomever, 
what you need and and really help them see who you are and they and they have a genuine interest in knowing who you are and being that supportive partner to you then i really believe that you can work through anything i do yeah wow what's that was a mouthful <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's I, I love hearing these happy ending stories because it's, it's, it's like the parent trap, but without the kids involved. <laughs> it's well, it is the parent trap if you think about it, because it's in your head. And where do all of our stories come from? As a child, as we grow up, they come from our parents, really, um, or or the people who were the parental roles in our lives. And so, so it's really the same thing. It's like getting out of that, getting out of that mode of whatever we were taught, whatever we were, I mean, I know it's not quite the parent trap, but, but, but pulling it in as it coming from the parents, I think it's really important. So when we start learning and growing and evolving and we're like, okay, we're looking inside and we're saying, okay, this in my life is an area that's causing me some, some angst, or it doesn't look the way I want it to look. How am I showing up in that area? What am I bringing? What are the stories? What am I telling myself? You know, what am I, where the biggest thing that I've started working with people on is boundaries. Like, where do you need to create yeah. boundaries? You're going to laugh at this, but I literally had to start turning the fan on in the bathroom because my entire family would try to have conversations with me when I went to the bathroom. And I was like, do you understand that I spent 20 minutes in here because I need time to like not have someone's answer. And so that used to be my escape place, but I would still have conversations with them for a long time. And then I just finally got to the point where I said, what, I can't hear you. And I would flip on the fan and I would be like, no, this is like, I had to create the boundaries of like, I will not have conversations with you when I'm in the bathroom. Look, like I had to start you. creating those boundaries. But it sounds so funny, but it's so true. And, you know, especially women, we moms and, you know, we're like, we're so used to being all these things to all these people. And we haven't really until like, I think we're starting to change that paradigm, but we haven't done a great job taking care of ourselves. And it's like, you deserve to take care of you first. There's a reason why in an airplane, they say, put your oxygen mask on first, because yes. your family will not function well without you. So so when we can just do little things like allow yourself to go to the bathroom without being interrupted or lock a door behind you, no one is going to, I mean, unless you have babies, right? I'm not saying that, but like, you know, your own parameters for safety, but in my life, no one is going to choke on something and die when I go to the bathroom or take a shower for 15 minutes. Like literally no one is going to do that. So it's like, you deserve that time for you, whatever it is that you need, you do deserve to take that time and just breathe really just breathe. We need more breathing in our world. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. And I was just thinking about this um, as you were speaking that you might have gotten rid of your limiting beliefs that you, that were formulated as a child, but as an adult, we could also, you know, create limiting beliefs depending on who we're with people influence us. So how did your friends and family, people around you react when you changed careers and decided to do other things, even get back together with your husband? Like, how did you work with those, with those comments and I guess information overload that was coming in? Yeah. So, so my husband and I got back together first. Um, I would say his family was, my family was fine. I mean, they kind of, it wasn't their first rodeo with me. They knew when I put my mind to something, I, I would accomplish it. And, and I think that they, they knew they got to witness firsthand how misaligned I was the whole time in the marriage and, and even for a few years before it ended. So I think they were somewhat relieved, <laughs> my family was, as far as the relationship goes. And it took his family some time, but I'll be so honest with you, the story of what I thought I was going to come up against was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. Um, we spent that first Christmas, his parents came and like, cause we moved to Florida. We, we got remarried and we moved to Florida. We completely relocated cause we wanted a fresh start. And that first year, his parents came and stayed with us for Christmas. So, wow. you know, you, you have this story. Yeah, exactly. You have this story in your mind of how hard it's going to be, what an awful person they're going to think you are or whatever. But the truth is when you show up as the best version of you, so do they, you give them permission to also show up as the best version of them. And so let go of that story of who you think they are and just show up as the best you and they're they're gonna meet you. You'll be so surprised in life how people meet you. So that was the relationship piece. But then the business piece was interesting because I backed into it. I didn't just come out and say, I'm a coach and this is how I help you. And this is blah, blah, blah. Like my family, they're like, so what do you do? 
what is it you do? Like, they didn't take me seriously. Nobody liked my stuff. In fact, I had family members um, like leave my groups and like I had some unfriend me and it's like, you know, and it was hurtful. And I, you know, in my own personal growth journey, I've also had to say goodbye to friends who I thought were going to be friends for life, but it was like, they represented like an old Debbie, an old energy, an old place of being no longer aligned. And to keep them in my life would have required me to consistently violate my own boundaries and go backwards. And so to, to anyone in, who's listening to this right now who may think, you know, how do I, how do I do this? This is a difficult relationship. And sometimes the best course of action is to really let go. And it's not going to be this pain and suffering that you think in your mind it's going to be. It's actually a sense of relief and you can finally move forward. And so in my business, when there have been moments like that, as difficult as I thought it would be, or even when I would, when they would leave my group or unfriend me, it was still a relief because it was like, I no longer had to pretend in any capacity or, or pad my message or be aware. Like it, they were no longer an energy in the group. So I wasn't even aware of someone might show up as a hater or someone might make a resistant comment. They weren't there anymore. And that was such a relief. Yeah. That's what we do. Cause we're like, wow, you know, if I really, if my life was full of relationships that lit me up, people who lit me up and shared my energy and my desire for moving forward and growth, how different would my life look? And that's really where I was five years ago when I started my business because I, because I was worried about haters. And then I thought, okay, well, but what if I got to choose how it could look? And so now, now you're in this moment where you're like, if I could choose, <laughs> who would I choose? <laughs> but it's beautiful that, that, that scope of possibility really is the shift for us in our life and in our business. And when we really believe in possibility, we're more willing to let go of what's not working. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have any advice for people who have family members in their lives who they don't necessarily want there or they're not the healthiest people for them, but they have to keep them in their lives. So what would you advise them? Like what to do? So I would say come from love, come from love and limit the interactions that you can. So I'll use an example. Like if you have a parent that is highly reliant on you for things, it's possible to figure out ways to get support for them that don't involve you being in their space all the time. So like if they need you to take them shopping, I mean, really, depending on where you are in your life, you could actually have someone do the shopping for them. And then, you know, now we can just do stuff and curbside up and mom and dad could order it online and you go pick it up for them or whatever and really limiting that. Um, but I think that sometimes it starts with, it starts with an honest conversation. I, I know that my, my own mom and I have had our, our relationship struggles. And one of the best things was really sitting down with, with my mom and, and explaining my boundaries and, you know, and, and now at coacher, which is so funny. I never in a million years would have ever thought that I would coach a family member. And it was a hard and fast rule for me, but there came a point where she said, I see all these changes in you and I want that too. And I know wow. that you're the one that can help me. And so that was like this huge testament. Yeah, I mean, your own mom is a huge testament to the change and the system that I have that works. And when someone else can move from a place of feeling like you're judgmental and critical of them all the time, because you just, it's, they're just not an, a vibrational match for your energy to going to coming to a place of like, will you coach me? And it really was. And I want to say this, it wasn't like I just accepted a coaching client because I needed money or anything like that. It had, it was absolutely nothing like that at all. But when I got to the point in my own life where I had done enough work, where I could take on someone who I had a, a history of like a difficulty or maybe wasn't sure if they were going to do the work or whatever, I was more open to receiving her from that place. And so that's why when I say in anything that you do, do the work on you first. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think you could show up authentically if you haven't done the work, if you're telling someone else to do something that you've, you still have to do. 
Exactly. And where do you hold? Yeah. And where do you hold stress? So like for me, when I would get around someone, I know instantly if someone is, is not a vibrational match for me because I start to feel stress in my neck. It's where I hold it. A lot of people hold it in their stomach. Um, I'm a neck person. So instantly it's like my neck would tighten and everything. It's like, okay, what's going on here? And then just, just gracefully bowing out. So there's places where, where maybe you still have to show up for things, but you can, you can be less present and you can gracefully either bow out or make an appearance and leave or, or do things like that, where you're not necessarily being mean to them, but you're still honoring yourself. And sometimes they may not like it. And that has to still be okay. Because in the end, this is your life. You get one to live and you have to make you happy in this life. You can serve, you can live your purpose, you can help others, but you have to live this life in alignment with yourself first. Absolutely. So funny. I, I feel like that in my stomach. I got that in my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my family members do. It's so funny, but like, I'm a neck person. I don't know where the neck, well, I do because I do a lot of like Louise Hay and all this stuff. And yeah, so I <laughs> like, trust it. So the interesting thing is the, what really helped me. So I was really this like, go, 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 go. And I think when I finally stepped back in my own life and in my own business and all these things, and I, I became a Reiki master and a sound healer and a nice. quantum flow practitioner. Yeah. But it was like, it took so many different healing modalities for me to finally get the lesson of, of letting go of like really understanding my body and stop judging it and start working with it. And I think that that's something that I wish more people would really understand how that is such a bridge to what you really want. Because when I started to do that, when I started down that journey of fine, fine, let's do the healing work. Let's figure this thing out. And I threw everything I had at it. That's when things really, my life completely shifted my, my, you know, my business and my husband and I, our relationship finally, like really finally just started to skyrocket and everything I desired started showing up for me because I was really, truly the person who wasn't blocking myself anymore. Wow. That's, it's incredible. The power we have. It really is. It really is. And something that opened up for me too, is that I became a, a, well, I say became a channel. So I, I must have always channeled messages my whole life. I was a born messenger. I really was. So when we talked about little Debbie, right? When we talked about, she just wanted people to know how amazing they were. I was always a messenger. And then through broadcasting and journalism, I was always a messenger. And now it really is just a message of healing. And so whatever it is, that's going to help people align with where they need to be or, you know, and, and I do, it's like business and it's sometimes it's emotions and sometimes it's relationship. And so just when we, when we're really, we're able to say, okay, I'm, I'm good with just being me and showing up and really honoring, like the work started for me and the work started very early on in my life, but I didn't realize it until someone came through for me and was a bridge to what I had always done versus what I'm doing now. And then I let go of all these stories of how I had to show up and who I had to be and how I had to market it and how I had to fit it into a box. And I stopped trying to fit it into a box and it just started working. Wow. Yeah. That's also another really good point, which is to go with the flow and to go what's working for you and what's really happening instead of trying to push things or if you see things are not moving in a certain way, don't try to fight it. Yeah. And I did. I, mean, I just want to be, and I just want to share with people. I know how hard it can be when you are that person though, because I spent most of my life blocking anything that didn't fit within the boundaries and the rules that I was programmed for. And, you know, I was very left brain dominant and journalism is a very, very corporate, very masculine centric world. And I learned to thrive, not just survive, but thrive in that place by denying all of the other side of my personality and who I was and my heart. And, you know, it was like very brain, not much heart. And, and that's how people survive in that world. And so by really allowing myself to come back to that place and learn, I had to learn what flow was really, literally people were like, go with the flow. I'm like, huh, no, no, I have rules and things and this must, you know, and it was like, so I totally am feeling for anybody who is in that place of like, I don't, I don't flow well, I need structure and I need understanding and organization and certainty. And, you know, I get it because certainty was definitely one of my highest needs in life, you know, from like the Tony Robbins model. 
of the, our six greatest needs. Well, certainty was, was my highest because without certainty, I didn't know if I was going to be fed or I didn't know if I was going to be safe. And, you know, it was like all these things. So, so really knowing yourself is the key to, to opening up all the things. I'm a huge proponent because you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, it's so important for life. It's crucial. It's really crucial. So what made you leave journalism? Well, I left a couple of times. Um, one time was to start a business, um, which I started a, I started a business communication business, um, you know, broad, teaching people how to like get press and publicity for their business. So I started that. And then very quickly, someone came to me, they wanted me to help them with their business. And then I ended up taking over that business, which didn't make it. And that was a whole nother, like, you know, rabbit hole I went down and had so many lessons to learn about myself through that business failure. And, um, and then, um, so that was the first time. And it was so interesting because I went, basically I, I was, I went back, I was, I went groveling back to the journalism place and I was like, look, I'll take whatever you have. I don't care. Um, you know, and I left with a really good reputation. So they were willing to bring me on and, and, you know, and that helped me sustain my family. Then I took a leap. It's so funny. Talk about, taking, this is a great lesson, I think, for, for listeners. So back in 2016, I was coaching with some pretty high-powered people and they were like, you know, you gotta basically like burn the boats, right? I mean, that's a big Tony Robbins thing too, like burn the boats. You can't hold on to, you know, you can't leap while still holding on to something. You have to just leap. And I think Steve Harvey talks about it too. You gotta, you gotta leap. And so I was like, yeah, I'll take the leap. And I, and I quit the journalism job, except that the business wasn't making money yet. So when you talk about taking a leap and of faith in yourself and your business, like you have to be smart about it. Like taking that leap for me, because I didn't have that belief yet of what I could do it. I just like went screaming back like a month later, I was like, just kidding, take me back. Um, but I can tell you that I did officially, um, I officially left with zero remorse and zero desire to ever go back. Um, last month, I officially walked away completely from journalism. And what came for me after that was I had this little identity crisis because I had attached my job, my role, my journalism with so much significance and it became who I was. And I mean, I was a military journalist. So my whole life, my whole identity, in fact, I took journalism for four years or journalism and television production for four years in high school. So from the time I was 14, it really was wow. who I was, right? So it's how I derived my importance in life and, and, and how I saw myself and how other people saw me. And I think that that's why when I did start my coaching business, people are like, wait, what do you do? I don't quite understand. Like what? Wait, but you're still doing this, but you're also, so it was like, I really hadn't made the decision and I hadn't committed. But once I did, then I had to go through my own mini, like, my own mini like ident identity crisis and really understand, okay, but who am I really? And like the first day, it was so funny. The first day the universe was like, oh, okay. So you're really walking away this time. Are you sure? Because we're going to just do this. And my husband and I had this conversation and it led to like me doing something. And I ended up spilling um, wax all down my hair, yeah. my shirt and all over my tile floor. So I spent my very first day, quote unquote, not working journalism anymore and really being able to just do my coaching stuff as basically I was like, you know, I was having like this Lieutenant Dan moment, like I didn't quit that to be Cinderella. And it was like, I'm scrubbing floors and scrubbing clothes. And it was like, just such this mess, but it was such a beautiful thing because it showed me just just how much I had identified with that and how it really always was the easy button for me, but it was my shadow purpose. It was, it was the thing I did really well and I could always make money at it, but it wasn't filling my soul. It wasn't filling my soul, but so that was gone. And, and you know, that was definitely its own ordeal. And I'm sure there will be some trainings coming out of that time, but it was <laughs> just, but that's how I did it was really just, it, I think for me, it took a couple of little like stumbles of trying to do it and then realizing, okay, so maybe I'm not quite ready yet, or maybe I'm not quite ready here. But this past time, it was with zero doubt, zero remorse, zero concern that it was the right decision. I knew totally in my heart. Cause I finally did listen to my heart this time and know that it wasn't that, that I was not meant to go down that path for the rest of my life. 
Wow. Good for you. And also that's so, it's it's so nice to have that peaceful feeling in your body and listening to your heart, as you said, and knowing that it's the right thing for you. Oh yeah. Well, so if you think about, so I'm an empath and I was, I was going through the media every single day as part oh my of gosh. my job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it was like, it was literally like reliving trauma every single day of my life, every day I went to work. And so it was, it was taxing. So how much help can you be? And really how much change can you be in the world when you're constantly finding your own emotional state to sustain your life, to sustain your income? So it was definitely the right move in my life. And um, yeah, it was, definitely it was a big deal. So, but it's, I mean, anyone can do it. I anyone can do it, but you have to be willing to go through like the Cinderella moment that I had and not revert back. Cause I think that's what we do so many times is we're like, Oh, okay. This is hard. This is painful. This is uncertain. This is scary. Let me just go back to the thing. That's easy. If you're willing to stay in the place that feels a little hard, that feels difficult and not like I'm pushing and fighting myself to be this person, but like, okay, this moment sucks. This is not the moment I want to live again, but I know I'm going to be okay on the other side of the moment. That's definitely the place that you need to be because that's where all the growth happens. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. That's such a great message. And really, yeah. Wow. This is such a value, value packed episode. <laughs> Seriously. I love Thank it, you. Debbie. Thank you. So um, this is the question that I ask everyone to end it off. So what is something that you hope that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Ooh, that's such a big and deep question. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for asking it, by the way. I really hope that the next generation of women doesn't struggle with being who they are and standing up for what they want. I really hope they can be seen as, oh, it's so beautiful how you respect your boundaries instead of some of the other words that are used for women who show up strong and in their power and really not available for anything that that falls outside of their boundaries. Wow. That's, that's so powerful. I love that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and then where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? So um, there's a couple different ways. Debbie Pace Global on pretty much all the socials. I think Twitter, it's Deb Pace Global, but the rest of them, it's Debbie Pace Global. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere or Debbie Pace. And then I have my podcast called The Show Up Show which is where I share stories of people who have overcome obstacles to show up really powerfully in their lives. And if you're interested in some of the work that I do through my seven step freedom accelerator process, my book, the journal to freedom is available on Amazon. So Debbie, thank you so much for coming on. This was so valuable. And I had such a great time with you. Funny homie, it was my pleasure. I could talk to you all day. So I have a feeling that we're going to be having conversations like this more. Totally. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 